we are getting ready to start a new series. Um, as we get ready to start this new series, I want you guys to understand that I shared a little bit this morning of my love for all things Thanksgiving, right? Anybody love Thanksgiving? Like, I love Christmas. Don't get me wrong. Like, Christmas is, like, a top-tier holiday, but I love Thanksgiving for a couple reasons, mainly the food. Um, I love turkey. I love stuffing. I love sweet potatoes. I like pumpkin pie. I like it all. Uh, it's excellent. It's delicious. I can't wait to eat all of it and every last morsel. And then leftovers for like the days beyond. I love it, right? It's so good. But um, I also like, honestly, like, and this is going to sound like super sappy and super cheesy and like super churchy. Like I love the reflection time of Thanksgiving and like being able to reflect on the things that we're grateful for and the thing that God is doing in our lives. Um, this has been a crazy year. Uh, in my family, in my personal life, in my professional life, like, it's been crazy. Like, I start to reflect over the last 12 months, like, all that has transpired in my life, and it's insane. Yet, one thing that is, like, so awesome to see is how God has been faithful through it all. And as we get into this new series, uh, which is called Joyful, uh, it's a little play on words, um, is this, like, as we talk about this idea of being filled with the joy of the Lord, being filled with joy um, and figuring out what that looks like, what that means in our lives. Um, ultimately, I need you to understand that we have reason to be joyful. We have reason to have joy in our lives. And I hope throughout this series as we talk about it, you will be reminded of those things. You will be reminded of what God is doing in your life. And those little like chit-chats right before we start are just opportunities to be reminded of what we have to be grateful for and why we should have joy and those things. So I just pray that as we do those this month, as we get ready for Thanksgiving, as we get into this series, that you'll just remember those things. You'll remember simply that we have reason to have joy. As we get into this series, as we talk about this idea, I want you to know, um, first off, that we have reason to rejoice and we're actually commanded to rejoice. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. And if you look in Scripture, there are, there are so many places throughout Scripture, and the book of Philippians especially, where we're told to rejoice. We're told to have joy. We're told to exalt. But here's the thing. I think so many of us as Christians, and I'm throwing myself in this category, we struggle with what it means to have joy. Like, we think like we have joy. We think that we have these things. But I think a lot of us have happiness, but we don't necessarily have joy. And I think if I were to, like, put you in a corner and, like, if you had, if you, and, like, have you define what joy is, most of us would end up probably defining happiness. Because here's the thing. Happiness is circumstantial. I'm happy because the 49ers didn't lose this week. They have a bye week, so they couldn't lose. It was great, all right? But, like, I'm happy when, when they win. I am happy because I got to eat all my kids' Halloween candy that they don't like. They don't like Almond Joys. I love Almond Joys. Like, it, whoa, who just made a face about Almond Joy? There's the door. No, I'm just kidding. All right, no, like, I love, like, I, that makes me happy. I enjoy those things. Um, I'm happy uh, because my wife agreed to marry me. I'm happy because I had a HOCO date. I'm happy because all these things worked. I didn't personally, but maybe you did, all right? All these things that, like, will make us happy, but there's a big difference between happiness and joy. You see, guys, as we, as we talk about this, joy is different. And as we ask ourselves the question, what is Christian joy, your joy is rooted in something differently. 
Our joy is rooted in Christ. It's, it's, some would say it's a good feeling in your soul. It's like a good feeling down deep inside. It's, it's this, this joy that we have, this, this feeling of contentment. It's this feeling of, of satisfaction in Jesus. Some would also say that it, it, that it needs to be produced by the Holy Spirit. Joy is not something you can produce on your own. You cannot wake up in the morning and say, I am going to be joyful today on my own power without God. It cannot happen. No. Christian joy can only be rooted in the Holy Spirit, can only be rooted from God himself, and is produced by the Holy Spirit, and we simply breathe that out of our lives. And here's my challenge to you guys as we get into this series, as we talk about joy in different circumstances and different areas of our lives, as we walk through the book of Philippians together, um, I need you to understand that you're going to hear me say this a lot, is this, we need to fight for joy in our lives. Because the world around us is in chaos. I don't know if you guys know this, but Tuesday is election day. I'm a little nervous about election day, not because I don't think the election is going to go one way or the other. Like, honestly, I could care less about, like, who's in office. Like, I, I do care, but, like, it's not going to change my my convictions and all that, but what I am concerned about is the amount of hatred that is going to be spewed around the world, around the, around the United States over the next couple days, and the fallout of whoever wins one way or the other. Like, it's going to happen, and we know it's going to happen. We have these things, and that concerns me, and here's the thing. We need to, as Christians, we need to fight for joy in our lives because it doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come on our own being because we're sinful, right? We're sinful people, and joy is the opposite of sin in our lives. Like, if we have the joy of the Lord in our lives, it, it, it's, a, it's an outpouring of, of righteousness in us, and it's an outpouring of forgiveness in our lives, and, and an outpouring of the love of God in our lives towards others. Because here's the thing, guys. Every, uh, every one of our sins, beneath each and every one of our sins in our lives, is a lack of joy. Let me say that again. Beneath each of our sins is a lack of joy in Christ. We need to fight for joy. We need to fight for it in our lives. We need to, we need to pursue it in all, all things. No matter the circumstances, our greatest pleasure must be knowing Christ. And this will overflow into our lives as we are filled with God's joy. So in this series, we're going to be looking at how as Christians we can be filled with joy or joyful, hence the sermon series name. How can we be filled with the joy of Christ? What can we do? How can we set ourselves up to live out a life that is filled with the joy of the Lord? And in this series, we're going to spend most of our time looking at the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is a, is a great, great book. It's short Four chapters, like we're going to go through it pretty detailed um, and really point towards what Paul is encouraging the church of Philippi to do, and that is to live out their faith and live out a joyful life no matter what. Um, he's encouraging them. This is a love letter or a, an encouragement letter to the church, uh, challenging them to continue to, to live joyful lives. Um, this, this church might sound familiar. Uh, if you were with us for the last series, we got into um, the, the life of Paul, right? And we were looking at uh, chapter 16. The last time I spoke was he, he, the conversion in Philippi. This is the church that he started, right? This, this church was built on the back of Lydia. Remember the, the conversion that took place of the, of the rich woman who had the purple goods that she was selling and making? 
this church is built through that. Like she's like the first convert of the church of Philippi. And so you see Paul is now back away and he's writing back to this church that he loves. This was the first church in Europe that he planted. Like he's got a special affection for this church and he wants to see them do well and he wants them to live out a life that God has called them to. And I hope that as we get through this book, as we talk about it, that you'll be challenged in your life to have joy in Christ, that you'll be challenged to have joy in humble service. You'll be challenged to have joy in ultimately knowing Christ. Because when you live a life of joy, guys, listen, and we've talked about this all the time, when you're living your life for Christ, when you're living out that joy for Christ in your life, people are going to notice. And you're going to see life change around you. You're going to see people that want what you have. People are going to, it's going to be contagious. So today as we get started in this passage, go ahead and flip open to the book of Philippians. I encourage you, if you have a physical Bible, bring your Bible with you. Like I love to like get into like the Word. I, it's cool if you have it on your phone. But like, I don't know, I just don't get, I don't stay as focused on my phone. Um, so like, if you have a physical Bible, man, I encourage you to bring it with you so that you can get into the Word. Uh, but if you have it on your phone, that's fine. Uh, but we're going to be in the book of Philippians, and we're going to be in chapter 1 today. So you don't even have to turn, like, open up Philippians 1, starting in verse 1. Um, and we're going to probably work through, like, the first 18 verses. Um, not even going to get too detailed in here. Um, I just want you to know that um, as we get into this, as Paul is, is writing this letter, he, he hands some things to us. He, he challenges the church of Philippi that I believe is just as applicable to us today. The first thing that we need to know is this, that we need to find joy in Christ, ready, and his community. We need to find joy in Christ and his community. I want to read to you uh, verses 3 through 8. It says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in defense of and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. We need to find joy in Christ and his community. Ultimately, our joy comes from the Lord. It comes from Jesus. It comes from our relationship with Christ. But guys, listen, one of the greatest gifts Jesus ever gave us was his church. It was the church body. Because we're not meant to go through life alone. We're not meant to be isolationists that just kind of like live on this little island and go about our things studying scripture, never interacting with people. No, we're built for community. We're built to have community with one another. And Christ's community is powerful. And we need to have joy in that. Because here's the thing. The first thing you need to understand is that there is joy in prayer for each other. Verses 3 and 4 talk about this. It says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Paul is excited to pray for his friends. He's excited to pray for the church. He's excited to be with them. It brings him joy to be joined in prayer with fellow believers. There is joy in praying 
for each other. If you've been in, in service the last two weeks, Pastor is doing this series on prayer called Prayer Unleashed. And he, and, and he challenged us today to like stand in the gap for each other, right? And to be praying for those that have, have issues in their lives. Be praying for those that need prayer. Like, what are you doing? Are you, are you praying for people? Are you going out and are you going out of your way to pray for others? Are you going out of your way to pray for others that you know that have needs, that are in rough spots? And then does that bring you joy? It should. It's a joy and it should bring you pleasure to be able to stand in the gap for others. There is joy in prayer for each other. There's also joy in partnership. Verse number five says this. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This is a continuation of that sentence in, in chapter, in, excuse me, in verse four, where, where he, he says like, hey, it brings me great joy because we're in this together. The Greek word there is koinonia. And koinonia is, is often translated to fellowship or partnership in, involving mutual interests or sharing. Like it, it, it challenges us to, like if we have something in common, which is Christ, we should have that partnership with one another. We should have that fellowship with one another. We should be working together for the common good. We have a common interest of making Christ known. We have a common interest of having the outpouring of, joy of, the, of the joy of the Lord in our lives. And that should bring us joy in having partnership with one another. One of my favorite things to do on Sunday mornings when everybody's in here doing small groups is to just sit and listen. I love to, like, I don't teach a small group. I just get to kind of be a floater and kind of be around. And I get to listen to you guys have conversations. And our, our classrooms are built in a way where I can hear. Like, if I go stand next to a classroom, I can hear you guys talking. I can hear what you guys are saying. Um, sometimes you can hear everyone all at once. But it's, it's a great time to be able to just sit and listen and hear the partnership that's taking place. The cooperation. It brings me joy to see you in partnership with one another. It brings me joy to see a group praying together. It brings me joy to see discipleship groups meeting. It brings me joy to see people growing in their relationships, not just with the Lord, but with each other. There is joy in partnership. There's also joy in anticipation. Verse number six says this, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying here is that there's joy in what's to come. There's joy in what we know is coming. That Jesus is going to win. He's already defeated death and we're just waiting for the, the payoff. Right? We, we know that no matter what we're going through, there's, there's goodness on the horizon. There is joy coming. In the midst of the darkness and the struggles, there is anticipation that is coming of the good. And Jesus promises that it will be there and he'll take care of it. There'll be no more weeping. There'll be no more gnashing of teeth. There'll be no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering when we're in his presence. Now it might happen while we're here on earth and we get like raptured up. Or it might happen when we take our last breath. And we appear in the presence of God. There's joy in the anticipation of what's to come. And then finally, there's joy in affection for others. Verse 7 and 8. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I, I hold you in my heart. 
For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense of the confirmation and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. There is joy in affection for others. Paul loved this church and he loved these people like they were his own. And he had joy in them. He had joy in watching them grow. He got joy out of seeing them grow in their relationship with Christ. He loved them and for that he had joy. You see, guys, listen, joy can be fueled from so many other areas. And joy can be fueled from different things in your life, but ultimately, it's rooted in Christ. It's rooted in our relationship with Christ. And everything is centered on that. So the rest of our time this morning, I want, I want to ask you a very simple question. I want, I want to answer a question really for us is this. How do we maintain that joy as a Christian? Once we find the joy of Christ in our lives, once we have that joy, once we, once we, we experience that Holy Spirit-fed joy in our lives, how do we keep it? How do we maintain that? How do we go out throughout our lives continuing to impact people with the good news? How do we continue to live in overflow of the joy of the Lord? Even when life is hard. Even when it feels like everything's going wrong. Even when it feels like the struggles are too much. Guys, listen. There's some of you in this room I know are going through it right now. You've shared it with me, and, 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 and my heart breaks for you guys. There's some of you that are, that are in the thick of some of the hardest times of your life. How do we keep that joy in the midst of that? Guys, over the last six weeks or so, I've had to navigate with my family some of the darkest times of our family's life. For those of you who don't know, my mother-in-law died tragically in a car accident about six weeks ago. And it was like out of the blue, nowhere, like super healthy, no health issues whatsoever. She was like the healthiest woman in the world. She was like 72, I believe, 73. Um, and when she, when the paramedics found her, they didn't, ha she didn't have her ID on her. It was in the car still. So they had her as like a Jane Doe, like when they submitted her and they guessed her age as being like 42, which tells you like no health issues, total surprise, total shock. And like, we've had to navigate this as a family. And listen, there's been some hard times. There's been some hard conversations. There's been some hard moments of struggle and of of pain and suffering and grieving and like I, my heart just breaks for my wife and my and for her my father-in-law and like as they walk through this as they go through this battle and they go through this this struggle but here's the thing in the midst of it all the joy of the lord remains with them i can't explain it i can't like i can't like rationalize like how my father-in-law is able to continue to smile and continue to like teach his small group and be able to worship and be able to like continue carrying on like I would be crushed but the joy of the Lord is just overflowing in his life and it's been overflowing into our family and like because of that we've received so many blessings through it all how do we maintain that joy when it's all falling apart around us? How do we maintain that joy when the struggle gets real? 
first thing is this, guys. And this is going to sound very, like, coachish. Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused on the task at hand. Stay focused on our creator. No matter what's going on around you or your circumstances, stay locked on God. I love the story of the disciples on the boat in the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus is walking on the water, and there's a storm going on around him. And, and, and Peter is like, is that you, Lord? And, and, and Jesus is like, yeah, it's me. And then Peter's like, well, if it's you, um, call me out onto the water with you, right? You guys remember that story? And what does Peter do, right? He steps out onto the water, and he's, lo- he's locked in. I always picture it this way, like he's locked in on Jesus. And as long as his eyes are locked in on Jesus, he's doing the impossible. He's walking on water. And the waves come, and they start hitting his leg, and they start, like, take it, like distracting him. And, like, we, I just imagine, like, the, the Sea of Galilee is kind of doing this, and he's kind of feeling, like, the little sea leg action going on. Even though he's walking on water, he starts to panic. And he takes his eyes off of Jesus and starts looking at his surroundings. And what happens in that moment? Immediately he begins to sink. He takes his eyes off of Christ, and his circumstances overwhelm him. Stay focused. Keep your eyes locked on God. Keep your eyes locked in on the creator of the universe. Paul is writing this from prison. Can I tell you that again? Paul is writing this from prison. And he's encouraging the church. We talked about this last week, that no, or two weeks ago. Like no matter what, Paul stayed on mission. Even when his circumstances changed, he kept his eyes focused on what he was trying to accomplish. And this is just an outpouring of grace. Stay focused. Number two, how do we maintain that joy as a Christian? Not only do we need to stay focused, ready? Catch this part. Put the gospel first. Put the gospel first. Your top priority needs to be the gospel of Jesus. If you focus on the gospel of Jesus, your joy will be filled so much in your life because you'll realize that you have something that you don't deserve. You've been forgiven of things that you, like you absolutely deserve the punishment of hell, right? We deserve that. We deserve the, the punishment of our sin, yet we have the gospel. We have the forgiveness of Christ in our lives. It says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul is in prison and he's saying, Praise God, the prison guards know who Jesus is now. Praise God that I'm here so that I can preach to these people that are a captive audience that aren't going anywhere. Praise God that I have the opportunity to encourage others that are now living boldly because of my imprisonment. Keep the gospel first. Put the gospel at the top. Stay focused. And then finally... Love Christ's glory more than your own. Love Christ's glory more than your own. Make sure your motives for declaring the gospel are pure. 
Paul touches on this a little bit in verses 15 through 17. It says this, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am, I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition and not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. You see, Paul was dealing with some people that were preaching the gospel, um, a, a version of the gospel, a, a, a twisted version of the gospel to like point towards Paul as being like, oh, obviously this isn't right because he's in prison. If he was doing the work of the Lord, he wouldn't be in jail. You know, like, like he was trying to, they were trying to like use it and, and it was out of selfish ambition because they were trying to make themselves look better. Do that. It's very simply, love Christ's glory more than your own. The gospel and declaring the gospel in your life, living a joy-filled life is not about the glory that you can receive. No, it's about the glory that you can point towards God. It's the glory that God deserves. It's the glory that he lives in. It's the glory that he deserves. Make sure that your motives for declaring the, the gospel are pure. And then this last part, ready? Catch this, ready? Rejoice when Christ is proclaimed. In verse 18, it says this, What then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Paul is rejoicing because of the gospel being proclaimed. Because Jesus is being declared to the world, he is praising How do we maintain joy when the world around us is falling apart? Lock in on Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on him. Put the gospel at the top. Because here's the thing, guys, listen, God is always at work. God's working behind the scenes whether, he, whether or not you realize it. God is always working. He's always putting things in place. He's always working. He's sovereign. He knows what's happening. And he is working to advance his gospel. We should view every circumstance as an opportunity. Friday night, we set up um, a, a, a tailgate party for the Oviedo and Haggerty game. Now, if you came by, you saw it was a very simple event. We had hot dogs. We had chips. We had water, we had cornhole, we had temporary tattoos, nine square, volleyball, and like, we were giving away a pair of AirPods. Like, super simple event. But the whole point behind that was that so that we could eventually be able to share the gospel with our community. Every, every, every event, every, every experience that we have is an opportunity. Do you treat your life that way? The people that you sit next to in class, do you see opportunities? Do you take them? Are you even living a joyful life that people see the joy of the Lord in you? So that when you do get to share the gospel with them, they're like, oh, that makes sense. Put the gospel first. Give God the glory. Let him work through you. Let him work in you. Let him overflow through you. I love the, the example of a cup. You guys ever see like the old-fashioned teacup? I wish I would have thought to bring one. 
So if you have like a teacup and there's a plate underneath it, the saucer that goes underneath the teacup, right? And then you're, if you're the teacup, like the joy that's in you, like is the tea in the cup as you pour it in, like you get filled with God's joy. But nobody really sees it because it's in you. And if that saucer is the world, right, if that saucer is the world and, and the, the, what they see in you, they won't see it, they won't feel it until it overflows out of you. So we need to be so filled with God's joy. We need to be so filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be so filled with the good news of the gospel that it overflows out of us, that we can't help but pour out on others. I was at the gym the other morning at like 6.30 in the morning, typically when I go. Um, and I was there. And I, I've, I don't know if you guys know, like, my pickup truck is the one that's the, the Cross Life truck, the blue one. So, like, I'm a rolling billboard for the church. It really keeps me honest. Like, I can't speed, can't cut people off. It's, it's really frustrating, honestly. Like, I get places 10 minutes later than I used to ever before. Like, it's just, I can't, it really is a frustrating problem. But I park in the, in the parking lot. And I don't, if you have ever go to the gym, like, if you go to the gym consistently at the same time every day, you see familiar faces. Like, everybody kind of gets on the same rhythm. You see different people. Um, and there's, like, a crew. Like we call them, like, the 630 crew. Like, we all walk in about the same time. We all leave about the same time. We're on, like, the same rhythm, same schedule most mornings. And I walk in, and I get out of my truck. And there's this married couple. And they're walking out of the parking lot or in the, th up to the gym from the parking lot as I'm getting out of my truck. And the wife looks at me. And she kind of smiles as I'm getting out of the Cross Life Mobile. And she goes... I figured, and I went, huh? <laughs> like, like, this could go one of two ways, right? And she goes, I knew there was something different about you. And guys, listen, like, I'm not, like, one to, like, be evangelizing while I'm working out. Like, I'm half asleep. Like, I'm, like, I'm barely awake. Like, I'm struggling through a workout. But she goes, you know, we've, because I've been going there for a little over a year, and, sh and she was like, you know, we, we see you here most mornings, and there's just something about you that's different. And she goes, I don't, she goes and she, I don't think she used the word joy, but she was like, there's just something different about you. And it, it makes sense now. And we got to talking about how I'm a youth pastor and they were, they were, they're involved in a church down in Orlando and like just great, great conversation as we were walking to the gym that morning. But it was just, it just reminded me that like when we live our lives in such a way that has the joy of the Lord pouring out of us, we don't even have to say anything. People are going to notice. So my challenge to us over this month as we, as we get into this series, as we, as we take a look at the joy of the Lord, as we take a look at what it means to live a joyful life, a life that's filled with the joy of the Lord, like, I challenge you, live in a way that people notice, that people see it. Because there's the thing, like, you could be, like, filled up with the joy and be like, oh, I'm having a good day. But you, like, keep it pushed down. Like, I'm not going to let people see it, though. I'm not going to overflow. I'm just going to fill it to the brim and kind of be satisfied right there. No, let it fly. Let it flow. Let it flow out of you. Let people see the joy of the Lord in you. Because, guys, listen, you never know the impact that you'll have. You'll never know the opportunities that you'll have. I've shared with you guys before, like, the, the people that I went to high school with that are not at all living for the Lord, reaching out to me over the last 20 years. 
saying there's something different. What is it? And I don't say that to brag. I say that just to brag on God and to his glory because, like, through him, I've had the opportunity to impact people's lives because of the joy that he spoke into them. Let's be filled with that. Can I pray for us? Let's pray. Father, as we, as we study your word, as we apply it to our lives, God, as we are challenged to be filled with the joy of the Lord, God, I pray that you would, in this moment, Reveal yourself to us. God, that in this moment, you would help us to be filled with the joy of the Lord. Lord, not so that we could just be filled to the brim and, and be satisfied in ourselves and be, feel good about ourselves. No, God, that it would be overflowing out of our lives so that we would impact our communities, we would impact our schools, we would impact our families. God, that people would see you in us because of the joy that we are filled with. Lord, speak to us in this time of worship. God, help us to respond. Help us to reflect. Help us to pray. Help us to, to react in a way that is honoring to you. Lord, and be joyful in it. God, allow our, our joyful experience to start right now. God, that we're filled with your joy as we sing we pray as we respond. God, that people would see you in us. God, we give you this time right now. We give it all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we get ready.